Hey, this is Mike C. of The Natural Man Podcast. I gotta get this out of the way right off the top. The Natural Man Podcast is intended as general information for educational purposes only and should not be constituted as medical advice or diagnosis of any kind or as a substitute for medical treatment. The information provided in this podcast is not meant to replace the advice of or treatment by any physician. Do not rely upon any information to replace consultations or advice received by qualified health professionals regarding your own specific situation. If you suspect that you have a medical problem, you are urged to seek competent medical help. The Natural Man Podcast and its representatives and agents disclaim any liability for any negative or other medical or other outcomes that may occur as a result of acting on or not acting on any information contained in the podcast. The views and opinions expressed by the host and all guests are their own, and their appearance on this podcast and at the website of The Natural Man Podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent, and does not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the natural man podcast that's it here we go your portal to life in the holistic lane this is the natural man podcast with mike c welcome to the natural man podcast my name is mike c thanks for joining us for another episode this is a podcast that's an exploration of health wellness and discovering new ways to improve one's vitality And today we're going to talk about detoxification and chronic disease. There's a lot of debate today about what causes chronic disease, and medicine has really debated this topic for years. Allopathic medicine is on one side, and it has its place in the treatment paradigm, but an increasing amount of people are preferring alternative approaches to treat their ailments and health issues. There's great research on human disease and alternative medicine circles, and many patients are seeking different avenues to treat these conditions. There is no single perfect one-size-fits-all treatment protocol, but as research and human ingenuity are constantly evolving, there's great work out there by men and women who are doing the research, learning what they need to learn, and then putting it into clinical practice. Our guest today is one of those people. He's a man who has done tireless research into the underlying causes of human disease and has made very important strides. He received his doctorate in chiropractic from the New York Chiropractic College in Seneca Falls in New York in 1997. He's the director of the Northern Baja Gerson Center in Rosarito, Mexico. Please welcome Dr. Patrick Vickers. Dr. Vickers, thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you. I want to talk a little bit about um, your approach. Um, I'm familiar with the Gerson therapy. We've covered a lot of the details of it with uh, a friend of mine, Suzanne Mulroy, who was on a previous episode on this podcast. Um, Give me the science behind the Gerson therapy for for cancer patients. Um, What is the aim of the therapy and what does it accomplish? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, uh, if you read Dr. Gerson's book that he wrote before he died, A Cancer Therapy, Results of 50 Cases, if you read that, the message is very clear. And the message is metabolism, metabolism, metabolism. That's all you read about. That's all he wrote about. And when you break metabolism down, metabolism defined is the breakdown of food into energy. And when you see someone who's sick and or dying, what do you notice? They're lethargic. Why are they lethargic? Because they've lost 
the capacity to produce energy on a cellular level. And it's that energy that maintains a healthy immune system and most certainly what's needed to cure a sick and dying one. And so the way the body produces energy is through the consumption of food and particularly glucose, sugars from fruits and vegetables. And so the whole secret to the Gerson therapy is restoring the body's ability to convert food into energy. Everything we've done from the day we're born to the day we get sick goes against maintaining the cellular integrity and giving the cells what it needs to produce energy. And Gerson addressed it on all levels. And so that is the crux of the Gerson therapy is restoration of proper metabolism. So it's no mistake that one of the predispositions to cancer is what? Obesity. How many times do we hear the obesity cancer connection? The more obese you are, the greater risks you have of getting cancer. Why? It's metabolism. It's the body's ability to create energy on a cellular level and maintain the immune system functioning at an optimal level. So that is everything we address when we're trying to heal a sick body. The Gerson therapy restores cellular metabolism. Now, it's primarily a, a vegan diet from what I understand. Um, I've seen you do talks on this over the years. What is it about animal proteins that you feel accelerates tumor growth? And, and with that question, do you think a healthy body can handle clean meats? You know, like grass-fed beef, free-range meats, wild-caught seafood, those things. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, good question. So what is it about animal protein that feeds disease? Well, that is the crux of the matter, believe it or not. So how many times have you heard that alkalinity promotes health and an acidic diet promotes disease, right? Well, when we're talking about those two terms, what are we talking about? Those two terms are thrown around like a confetti at a country fair. But what are we actually talking about? We're talking about pH. pH is potential hydrogen. When we're alkaline, or excuse me, when we're acidic, we have a buildup of hydrogen at a cellular level, and particularly at the level of the cell membrane around the cells. So when oxygen approaches the cell to go into the cell and convert food into energy, in an acidic body, high in fats, high in meat, high in dairy, that oxygen literally gets repelled away from the cell. It cannot enter the cell. So acidity, by definition, is the improper utilization of oxygen. The way the body produces energy is by converting sugar into energy, and that requires oxygen. If you can't get oxygen into the cells because the diet is too acidic and the charge at the level of the cell membrane cannot accept oxygen into the cell, that oxygen is going to get repelled away. So if you have sugar that needs to go through the energy cycles without oxygen available, 
And you won't have oxygen readily available if you're eating a diet high in animal proteins and animal fats. You won't. It's impossible. You cannot heal on a high protein diet. That sugar molecule that would normally get converted into energy in the presence of oxygen goes through another cycle called anaerobic glycolysis and it gets broken down into lactic acid instead of energy. And it's lactic acid that feeds disease. In an alkaline diet, the charge at the level of the cell membrane literally draws oxygen into the cell. Whereas in an acidic diet, high in animal products, that charge at the level of the cell membrane will literally repel oxygen away from the cell. And you cannot convert food into energy. So that's the primary reason why if you want to heal optimally, especially with an advanced disease, you must alkalinize the system. And you can't do it if you're eating animal products. And that includes organic grass-fed. Obviously, that's optimal. If you're going to eat meat, you want to eat organic grass-fed meat, right? But right. you cannot eat meat more than once or twice a week if you want to remain optimally healthy. And if you want to heal an advanced disease, you can't. You cannot eat meat. For those reasons that I just stated, and there's other reasons as well. Fat. Tumors love fat. They are hormonal monsters. You give, it, you give a tumor oils, saturated fats from, you know, whatever saturated, whatever products have saturated fats in it or animal products like butter, meat, and that will cause tumors in the end to just feed on that fat. Gerson tried everything available to him in terms of oils because he knew he needed essential fatty acids. The only oil he was able to use that he found did not cause tumors to get worse was raw flaxseed oil. And raw flaxseed oil is a polyunsaturated fat. When we're talking about fats and we're talking about saturated fats, what are saturated fats saturated with? Hydrogen. Saturated fats, by definition, are fats saturated with hydrogen. What did I just talk about alkalinity and acidity? pH, potential hydrogen. Acidity, by definition, is the buildup of hydrogen in the body, which prevents you from oxygenating tissues. So saturated fats in oils, in animal products, will feed tumors like crazy. And that includes coconut oil. Right, right, which is, uh, that, that's, a, that's a big one in the alternative health circles, too. Everybody's on coconut oil. Yeah, it's highly inflammatory. Yeah. It's that simple. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, daily coffee enemas are one of the um, more peculiar aspects of the Gerson therapy. I know that's a one that people raise their eyebrow to when they're first hearing of it. Give me the science behind what they do in the body. I know they've been attacked by allopathic medicine for years, um, but 
you know, there are some prominent physicians who have implemented this into their therapy, yourself being one of them. Tell me a little bit about them. Yeah, well, Gerson made the coffee enema famous, right? You know, so, but you go on the internet and you Google coffee enemas. Who do you think has the money to pay for their entries at the top of a search engine, right? And that's the medical profession. They pay millions and millions and millions of dollars to manipulate the internet. And so if you Google the Gerson therapy, you'll read that the Gerson therapy has never cured one case of cancer, which is the biggest lie that there can possibly be. It's indisputable that we are reversing advanced terminal cancer. So they put in there that the Gerson therapy has never cured one case of cancer and that it's dangerous. And that's what they say about the coffee enema. They say that the coffee enema is dangerous, it can kill you. Well, I can tell you, Charlotte Gerson lived to 97 years old and she did two coffee enemas a day since she was 55. And she was doing one a day before that. I can tell you, I've been doing one coffee enema a day without fail. I haven't missed one day in 25 years. And I'm alive and well. And so the coffee enema, there's not a more potent way to detoxify the liver. Your liver it produces an enzyme called glutathione S-transferase, which is one of the most potent detoxifying enzymes in the human body. Well, the liver creates that enzyme and it goes through the body mopping up toxins and free radicals. So the way the liver produces that enzyme is palmitic acid. So it takes palmitic acid and it makes glutathione transferase. Well, properly roasted organic coffee from a special type of a bean that you wouldn't drink is loaded with palmitic acid. And it's been demonstrated that when you do one coffee enema, the production of glutathione transferase goes up six to 700% greater than normal. That's been demonstrated by a, by a researcher named Peter Lechner, Peter Lechner. And so he discovered that when you do the enema, that enzyme goes up six to 700%. So the, per, so the question is, so why can't I drink it? If I drank it, wouldn't it give me the same effects? And the answer is no. The reason why is because when you drink it, first of all, um, it goes through the digestive tract and its effects on the adrenal glands are much greater. And so it produces cortisol and so it, it can cause a lot of hormonal issues, so to speak, if you drink a lot of coffee, right? Secondly, it's going through the digestive processes, so some of the palmitic acids don't make it to the liver. So then the question is, so well then how does it get to the liver when I take it rectally as an enema? And the answer is simple. When you take the coffee rectally, what's sitting right there? The hemorrhoidal veins. And so the hemorrhoidal veins absorb the coffee And the hemorrhoidal vein carries the coffee to the portal vein. And the portal vein ends and dumps in the liver. So it's carried directly from the the hemorrhoidal vein in the rectum straight to the liver without any adulteration, digestion, effects on the adrenal glands, nothing. So when you take something rectally, it goes straight to the liver. That's why if you drank a bottle of alcohol, 
you'd get really sick if you drank a bottle of alcohol, right? Uh, of vodka, let's say. Right. So let's yeah. say you drank a bottle yeah. of vodka, you're gonna get really ill, right? If you did a bottle of vodka rectally, you'd be dead in 30 minutes. You would die in 30 minutes, no joke, literally. And so the reason why is it goes straight to the liver without being adulterated, right? So that's how the coffee enema works. It, it is the most powerful way to detoxify the body. And so our patients are getting five coffee enemas per day. Wow. That's effective detoxification. I know that digestive enzymes are also a big part of your therapy. Um, how do they repair a broken digestive system? What is it that makes them effective? Yeah, so the, the enzymes themselves don't necessarily repair the digestive tract. It's the diet and the detoxification, but particularly the juicing and, and some of the other things we do, like the raw aloe, the raw spirulina that we're using. These are the things that um, are ultimately healing the digestive tract. Now remember, cancer is metabolism. Metabolism, by definition, is the breakdown of food into energy. So people who come in with disease, particularly cancer, their body's ability to break down food into energy is severely compromised. Well, where does the breakdown of food into energy take place? In the intestinal tract. That's why we're taught that 70% of the immune system is in the digestive tract. So the reason why we give enzymes is because the digestive tract is compromised. So it's the digestive tract that's producing the enzymes, right? Enzymes start right. in the mouth when you chew, you swallow, the stomach produces its enzymes, then it leaves the stomach, then the intestinal tract and the pancreas produce their own enzymes to continue that digestion. Well, we have to facilitate that while we're trying to heal the gut's natural ability to produce enzymes. So the reason why we give enzymes primarily is to facilitate metabolism, the breakdown of food into energy. Now with that said, we do high dose alpha chymotrypsin. So alpha chymotrypsin is known for its ability to break down tumors and cancer cells. For example, when a woman is pregnant, in her seventh week of pregnancy, she gets a natural burst of pancreatic enzymes. Why? Because the embryonic cells of an egg that are embedding itself in the uterine wall, they're very similar to cancer cells in that they're dividing rapidly. So at seven weeks, as that egg's embedding itself in the uterine wall, if that woman doesn't get a burst of natural pancreatic enzymes to shut off that division while it's embedding itself, those cells could potentially penetrate the uterine wall and enter the general systemic circulation. And by the end of a pregnancy or two, a young woman could be ravaged with cancer. And we're actually seeing that more and more and more as time has gone on. Because we're doing everything possible to destroy our pancreases from the moment we're born 
to the moment a woman gets pregnant. So part of that pancreatic enzyme complex is alpha-chymotrypsin. It has the ability to destroy cancer cells and break down tumors. So we do give high-dose alpha-chymotrypsin for that purpose. That's interesting. Now, how are we destroying, we're destroying our pancreas by, by just our standard American diet? That's exactly right. Cookies, cake, ice cream, meat, dairy. Dairy absolutely destroys the human pancreas. And if you can believe it or not, popcorn. You know, popcorn pound for pound is harder to digest than a steak. Now you got to eat a lot of popcorn to eat a pound of popcorn, right? But pound for pound, for whatever reason, popcorn like just drains the pancreas of its enzymes in order to break it down. So cookies, cake, ice cream, alcohol, refined alcohol, butter, meat, dairy, milk, you name it. These things are destroying the pancreas. And, you know, other things as well, high fat diets, you know, fat. The pancreas has to produce lipase. So we just tax the pancreas over and over and over again through our, through our lifestyle and our habits. And so people think the pancreas is just for like sugar metabolism, right? Insulin. It produces insulin, right? That's what yeah. people most equate the pancreas with. But what they've failed to be taught is that the pancreas is a major metab- a major immune system organ because those enzymes that it produces apart from digestion are absolutely vital for keeping cancer in check. It's often been said that right where the pancreas dumps its contents into the duodenum, they've never found a case of cancer in that section of the duodenum. Now, this is some stuff I heard for 15, 20 years up until about five, 10 years ago. Maybe since then, because of you know where we've gone in the last 10 years, maybe they have found it. But up until a certain period of time, they've never found cancer in the portion of the duodenum where the pancreas dumps its contents because it keeps cancer in check. So that's the role that enzymes play in the Gerson therapy to facilitate the digestive process while we can heal the gut so it can produce its own enzymes. And then secondly, as a means of breaking down cancer cells and tumor tissue. That's fascinating. And I know iodine is also a big part of Dr. Gerson's original protocol. Um, What is it about iodine that has such beneficial therapeutic effects in the body? Well, again, when we're talking about metabolism, what are the two main metabolic organs in the body? The liver and the thyroid gland. So the way the body creates energy is through little organelles in your cells called mitochondria. Mitochondria take sugar inside your cell and in the presence of oxygen, convert that sugar into energy. Well, what is the thyroid gland specifically responsible for? Your thyroid gland is specifically responsible for reproducing mitochondria. So if you're sick, your thyroid has to be sick. 
because it is what produces the mitochondria to run sugar and fat through the energy cycles. And so the thyroid gland we know is specifically or is specifically dependent on iodine. So we have to give iodine to support the thyroid gland. And then we also give a natural thyroid glandular to support the production of thyroid hormone or the consumption of thyroid hormone to activate the production of mitochondria. So that's the main role that iodine plays in the Gerson therapy. Now the other thing that Gerson found iodine did is for whatever reason, when he gave massive loading doses of iodine, cancer cells soaked up that iodine almost in a greedy fashion to the point where the iodine somehow caused cancer cell death. So the massive amount of iodine a patient gets on the Gerson therapy, particularly in the first three months, somehow these cancer cells are just taking it in and it's somehow altering their metabolism or causing cellular apoptosis or cell death of the cancer cell. But for our you know, most important purpose is to restore the thyroid's functioning because we have severely depleted the iodine content in the thyroid gland. Why? What is it that depletes the thyroid gland of iodine? Diet, chlorine, fluoride, bromine. These three things literally displace iodine from the thyroid gland. Where do you get chloride from or chlorine? From our water, from swimming pools, or from sodium chloride, salt. Salt depletes the thyroid of iodine. And people say, well, I eat the good salt. Well, there really is no such thing as good salt. There's such thing as better salt, right? Table salt yeah. isn't as good as Celtic salt or Himalayan salt, but it's where table salt's 99.9% .9 sodium chloride, which is why they had to iodize it because it was destroying people's thyroid glands. Well, mm -hmm. even your most unrefined salts like Celtic salt, Himalayan salt, it's 86% sodium chloride. So that chloride molecule is displacing iodine from the thyroid gland. That is why on the Gerson therapy, the other main rule is absolutely no sodium, other than what's naturally occurring in fruits and vegetables. So iodine is being severely depleted from the thyroid gland because of chloride or chlorine. Then there's fluoride, also in the water, toothpaste, and then there's bromine. Bromine is severely depleting iodine from the thyroid gland. Where are we getting bromine from? Bread. Today, breads are conditioned with bromine. That's why if you go into a health food store and you buy a bread, you can see on the label, made with unbrominated flour. So today, people are eating massive amounts of bread. And that bread's being conditioned with bromine, where it used to be conditioned with iodine. Even Australia now, apparently, is 
by law mandating that bread makers make bread with iodine instead of bromine. Wow. Why? Yeah, why is that? Is it because they care about you and your health? No, of course not. It's because <laughs> of all the problems. It's because of all the problems that they're coming down with due to faulty thyroid metabolism. And because they're a social health care system, they're paying that bill. And yeah. so they're realizing these health conditions that are coming in are related to iodine deficiency due to bread consumption. Yeah. So anyway, that's the reason why. We do it to support the thyroid gland because that's your main metabolic organ. Yeah, that, now that's interesting. Um, it's been known for quite some time now that fluoride displaces iodine in the thyroid. And as we know, a lot of cities, at least in the U.S. and Canada as well, they use fluoride in their water. How do we mitigate the effects of that? I mean, if it's coming in through your tap water, I know there's fluoride filters, but they're expensive. They have to be replaced fairly often. What are we supposed to do to offset that? Well, you know, honestly, the purest way of getting rid of fluoride is through distillation, right? And so um, apart from distillation, I don't know how good the other filters work per se. Uh, you know, allegedly they take out 99.9%. .9%, so, I mean, that's, that should be sufficient enough, especially if you're getting, you know, good quality amounts of iodine in your diet, either through supplementation with Lugol's solution um, which is the non-toxic form of, of iodine. It's potassium iodide, which is the non-toxic form. Um, or things like even spirulina are very high in iodine. Sea, sea vegetables, right? Um, dulse or kelp, those things are high in iodine as well, right? But those come with their own issues, you know, personally for me. Um, I won't eat anything out of our waters, whether it's fish or plants or whatever. I won't eat it. Just because our waters are so polluted today, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. So um, yeah. I, I, I don't touch anything out of our waters. So, you know, I, I rely on pretty much Lugol's solution or uh, what are some other things that are high in iodine? Radishes are high in iodine. Oh, are they? Uh, spirulina. Yeah. And spirulina is high in iodine. Uh, I'm sure a, a simple search of other foods will, you know, show a myriad of things that have iodine in it. But those are the things off the top of my head that I yeah. can recall. Okay. Okay. Um, now, tell me about potassium. I know that uh, Dr. Gerson was big on the uh, potassium compound solution that he tirelessly researched until he found the right balance of potassium. Is it acinate, gluconate, and phosphate? Do I got that right? Uh, potassium phosphate, acetate, and gluconate. That's right. Right. Okay. And so he came up with that after 300 different experiments. That's what he found worked best for his patients. And the reason for the potassium goes back to what we just talked about, the sodium. So one of the primary things that destroys cellular metabolism is salt. Why? Because when we eat salt, salt and water enter the cell and they swell the cell up with water. So you have this massive amount of water today in our cells. Patients and, and companions, when they come to our clinic, 
In the first week, they'll lose seven to 10 pounds just in salt and water that's wow. stored up in their cells from the massive amounts of sodium that we're consuming today. So if you have that sodium and water entering the cells and swelling the cell up, how are the little mitochondria in there that produce energy going to function efficiently? They can't. And so you must get sodium and water out of the cell if you're going to heal the human body. Because you have to restore the proper cellular integrity so that the mitochondria have the proper environment that they can carry out their actions of producing energy. So the only way you can get sodium out of the body, the only way, it's a law, is potassium. When you eat sodium, your body dumps potassium. When you eat potassium, your body dumps sodium. That's a law. And so Gerson realized he had to constantly bombard the body with potassium to get the excess sodium out of the body. Because the kidneys are programmed to dump 230 milligrams of sodium a day out of the body, they'll start to reuptake anything more. So by giving potassium, you keep forcing that sodium and water out of the body through the kidneys. So the patients are constantly getting potassium, especially in the beginning of their therapy. And then they're gradually weaned off. Which brings me to another point about meat and dairy and animal products. And it's another reason why you can't heal on a protein diet like that. When you eat meat, dairy, butter, you're creating an emergency state in the body because you're dropping the pH. We survive in a very narrow pH range. And if it's and we definitely die if it goes too acidic. And so the body is constantly trying to maintain a specific pH. Well, when, like I just mentioned, the kidneys preferentially want to dump so much sodium on a daily basis. That's their job. When you eat meat, when you eat dairy, when you eat, you know, butter, you create that emergency state because the pH plummets. Now, the kidneys, instead of preferentially dumping sodium, they now want to dump that excess acidity because now you've created that emergency in the body. So the kidneys now start dumping that acidity that you've generated and they do it in exchange for the sodium. So when you're eating meat, when you're eating dairy, you can't dump sodium because now the kidneys are dumping the acidity and it's re-uptaking the salt and water back into the cells. It's a really fascinating fact about, about kidney physiology. And so the, the kidneys then 
have to re-uptake that salt. So I, I actually challenge not my patients, but my companions who stay here for three weeks. At the end of those three weeks, they've been doing the Gerson therapy because they're eating the same meals. They're getting three juices, no salt, nothing. So they'll lose a lot of that sodium in their body. I tell them to go home, continue the therapy for about three weeks, get more of that sodium out, and then go out and have a big steak. So after about six weeks of doing this therapy, I tell the companions, not the patients, the companions, to go out and have a big steak. The next day, they won't be able to get the rings off their fingers because their fingers will be swollen. Why? Because the body spent the night and the next day trying to dump the acidity generated by the steak. And it did that in exchange for the salt in the water. And so the salt in the water is swelling up their joints. And that's what's happening on a cellular level. You cannot heal on a meat diet. It's impossible for those reasons. Hmm. Wow. So if somebody is trying to dump that sodium, not necessarily a cancer patient, but just, you know, on the standard American diet, everybody's overdosed on sodium unless they're eating conscientiously, Everybody. correct? Yeah. That's right. So if they're trying to dump that sodium, but they're eating animal products, fish, you know, meat, even clean meats, doesn't matter as you, as you emphasized earlier. Is that going to retain that sodium in the tissues because of the acidity? That's correct. That's correct. Wow. You know, like I said, grass-fed organic meat, that's, that's what you want to eat, right? But it's still in too much quantity going to generate too much acidity. Mm -hmm. It literally takes the kidneys and the body three to four days to completely get rid of the acidity generated by one big steak. Three to four days. Wow. And so when I said in the beginning, you don't want to eat meat really more than once or twice a week max. That is the reality. You eat yeah. meat more than once or twice a week, especially on top of all the other garbage that we're eating. You are setting yourself up for serious, serious problems in the future. You know, so, so yeah. Yeah. Now, I know the paleo community is always assaulting the, uh, you know, the vegan plant-based approach of eating, um, especially when it comes to Cons the consumption of grains. Um, what's your take on that? I mean, people say that they're high in omega-6 fats, a lot of grains, which, which supposedly are, which perpetuates inflammation, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how do you respond to those claims for the opponents of this modality? Yeah, well, first of all, we don't have a lot of grains on the Gerson therapy. The only grains the Gerson patients get is every morning they have some oatmeal. That's it. There's no other grains on this therapy. So, okay. but, but they're right. The proponents of you know, a diet high in grains, it's correct. Look, why do you give a cow antibiotics? Do you know why they give a cow antibiotics? Because they learned what's the main goal of a cattle farmer. They want to fatten up that cow to get it to market for the highest amount of poundage per cow, right? 
because they sell their meat per pound. So they learned that you can get a cow a lot of poundage really quick if you feed it a high grain diet. But what they found is that when you first feed it a high grain diet, it actually creates a fatty animal rather than a meaty animal because of the overgrowth of bad bacteria that takes place in the gut when you feed it a high grain diet. So when you feed it a high grain diet, you cause a major overgrowth of bad bacteria in the gut, particularly because of the massive amounts of nitrogen ammonia that's produced. So that creates a fatty cow rather than a meaty cow. So what they learned is that if you give it a high grain diet while feeding it antibiotics to kill off those bad bacteria that produce the ammonia byproducts and create a fatty animal, they can create a meaty animal by feeding it a high grain diet with antibiotics. So I guess so that's the secret. I guess that's the secret to formula loss. to a marbled steak, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. They can play with that. So, so if people are eating high grain diets, they're going to cause an overgrowth of bad bacteria in the gut, and that will just create a whole host of problems, right? Right. Wow. Yeah. Now, um, there's a there's emerging research now on EMFs and and you know with the inception of five G and and all the all the cell phone radiation, Wi-Fi's all around us. Obviously, with this protocol, um, this traditional protocol Max Gerson instituted, this was before this sort of technology boom got out of control. We've got the detoxification down. We've got the dietary protocols down. But what do we do about EMFs and the emerging problem that that's going to cause on people's tissues? I think there's a lot of people in denial over how that affects our physiology. How do you deal with that with your patients? Because it's obviously a factor that's driving illness, do you not think? There's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can put up those fancy paints that are supposed to keep the signal out, right? Uh, What are you going to do, stay in your home all day long, right? You know, (laughs) so I think that's great that apparently they're coming up with things you can put in your house to block, block the signal. But you don't spend, you know, all your time in your house. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's causing cancer. I can't tell you how many nurses I've had who put their phones right here. They have the nursing shirts that they wear, have pockets here. So the nurses will keep their phones here during their shift. What do you think they're coming in with? Breast cancer, right? I'll never forget this. I had a guy from Afghanistan an Afghani come in and he had a a tumor in his stomach the size of a basketball. And, and I, when he came in, I I went to the family. I said, where did this, where do you think this came from? Cause this thing was so big, so fast, so aggressive. It had to come from something more specific than a general accumulation of, of, of causal agents. Right. And they didn't know. 
And then when I lecture, I lecture about EMF, cell phones, computers. And after I finished my lecture one day, they came up to me and they said, Patrick, um, he's, a, he's a computer programmer. And he lies on his bed six days a week with his computer on his stomach programming software or whatever he does. Six, six days a week, eight to nine hours a day, just sitting on his computer with it on his stomach. There's your answer. That's just constant bombardment with radiation. And so with 5G now, I mean, come on, 3G and 4G was bad enough. You now turn up the frequencies and what that's going to do to cellular degeneration and destruction and DNA damage, we've created a major, major health crisis just with EMF radiation alone. Not to mention that what 5G does, it prevents oxygen from binding to hemoglobin. So how are you going to deliver oxygen to tissues to heal people, which you need oxygen to convert food into energy? Nobel, Peace, uh, Nobel Medicine uh, Prize winner Otto Warburg in 1931 proved that cancer, viruses, bacteria can't survive in a body that's properly oxygenated. 5G prevents oxygen from binding to hemoglobin. So that's going to be the side effects of 5G as well. Not to mention, you roll out 5G in the midst of a respiratory pandemic when the body needs the ability to convert heat to prevent oxygen from binding the hemoglobin. That's a little scary. There's no, mista- uh, there's no mistake that they rolled out 5G in the midst of COVID. Yeah, that's a little frightening. And I mean, I've, I've seen other uh, research on this where population density makes it worse. So if you're in downtown Chicago in a high rise, there's thousands of people all around you with phones on and, 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 and devices and tablets all night long, all day long. What is that doing? I, I know one guy that moved out into the woods, and I know we can't all do that, but he moved out of the digital footprint just to get away from that stuff because it was literally killing him. Tell me about uh, vitamin D. I, I know that there's a lot of research with vitamin D and cancer. Um, there's the debate of people who say supplement with it. Other people say get out in the sun. I know based on where we live, uh, our latitude position on the earth, um, that's not always possible because you don't always get enough of that, enough of that proper UV light to make vitamin D. Is that part of your treatment protocol? Yeah, that's a great question. Look, the studies are clear, vitamin D deficiency in not just cancer, but a majority of, of diseases, right? So you have to look at, well, what does vitamin D do? Well, what is, how does the body produce vitamin D? It's converted in the liver from cholesterol. So the liver takes, takes cholesterol and converts it into vitamin D, right? So today our livers are a heck of a lot more toxic than they were in Dr. Gerson's time. So the body's ability Absolutely. to convert 
cholesterol into vitamin D is much weaker, right? Secondly, doc during Dr. Gerson's time, people were still out working in their own fields. I mean, the demographics, even up until Dr. Gerson's death in 1959, were most people, or at least half of people by 1959, probably had a piece of land they were working on a regular basis, right? Uh, so you take these factors into effect, and you know there's other factors in regards to ozone and its effects on ultraviolet light, chemtrails on its effect on vitamin D production. And so we've pretty much come to the conclusion now that we have to supplement with it. Um, Gerson wouldn't have probably been too keen on that because he didn't have to be. Um, also because his protocol contained raw calves liver juice, which I'm sure had a vital role in vitamin D production as well. So we do supplement with it. Um, and, and then we encourage our patients to, to be in the sun. Now, what you said about latitude and longitude, whatever, you know, being in the north during the winter. Well, let's look at our, let, let's look at our, you know, homo sapiens. When they, you know, our ancient ancestors, what did they do? They migrated south and then they migrated north with the changes in season, right? But we've right. developed so much technology that we're now able to survive much easier in in winter climates and it comes at a cost and that's our health but it's interesting if you look at natural food production throughout the year as you go south you know towards florida november december january there's the oranges there's the grapefruits there's the lemons and then when those run out here's may June, July, you got the strawberries, the blueberries, the raspberries as you head back north. And then September, you've got apples and, you know. And so yeah. the natural movement of man and the natural food production by God goes with the migration. We've I've, lost that. I've never heard it explained like that. That's fascinating. I mean, I, it is I know that in those northern latitudes, it is. And I mean, that's that's so interesting. And there's... You know, there are physicians out there today that are emphasizing that we should be eating food seasonally, meaning if you're living in, uh, you know, North Dakota in January, um, you shouldn't be eating a banana unless you can find a banana tree nearby. Um, that's a whole nother podcast, I think. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it really aligns with what you just said. Yeah, I mean, look, you just got the depths of my vision of that, right? But you just follow the natural food chain through the year and things as, as, think, as places get too cold and you go down to the warmer climates in the winter, that's when their food production is, natural food production is taking place. And then when that's finally depleted, you'd make your way back north and then you've got peaches in Georgia in, yeah. uh, in April. And it, as you go north, yeah. the food's coming out. It's it's incredible. God's perfect. It is. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dr. Vickers, um, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for sitting in with us today. I, you know, there's there's so much to uh, your approach to treating disease, and I feel like we could do another episode in the future if you're game. Sure. Um, sure. You know, this is this is. Uh, such a educational experience for us all. 
And I just want to really uh, thank you and, and just give you kudos for the work that you're doing and thank just you. on educating people and raising that awareness because it's a mm. message that needs to be heard. And, uh, you know, we as humans, we just got to do better. You know, that's how I feel about this. Yeah. And, you know, I'm kind of the of the thought that humans usually don't do better. They can only do worse. You know, um, between 1959 and 1977, when after Dr. Gerson died, the therapy died with him. And nobody took over the therapy, including Charlotte, his daughter. And then in 1977, uh, someone approached Charlotte and offered her all the money to continue her father's work. And so Charlotte became the face of the Gerson therapy, but not until 18 years after her father's death. Well, I don't know if you know, but Charlotte Gerson died two years ago. And yeah, I heard that. her son, her son Howard, who was Dr. Gerson's grandson, would have taken that baton and carried it on for the remainder of his life. Now, that might have been another 15, 20 years, but he ended up dying three months later of a heart attack walking his dog. So there's nobody left. You know, so by default, I guess I've kind of become the face of the Gerson therapy at this point. And, and so it's an honor and it's a privilege to be able to carry on Dr. Gerson's work and his legacy because there's nobody left. And so I, yeah. I'm always grateful and willing to, to speak about Dr. Gerson's work and his legacy. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he was way ahead of his time. And, um, you know, I, I say the same for, for you because you've taken that established therapy. And again, we haven't even scratched the surface and we're, we're short on time, so we've got to wrap. But I know you've taken some of the newer medical innovations and discoveries and sort of brought that in to the Gerson protocol, which has made uh, your clinic so unique. So hats off to you, man. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. you know, I, and that is Dr. Gerson's legacy. He was constantly trying to perfect his therapy based on what was coming out in the scientific literature. So we're not defiling his therapy. We're not changing his therapy. We're taking what he's given us and we're trying to expound on it hopefully in the same way he might have expounded on it had he had the same information available to him that we have available to us today. And that's all it is. And that's why we call it the advanced Gerson therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we wrap up here, how can people find you, Dr. Vickers? Yeah, so thank you. Um, our website is gersonclinic.com, and Gerson is G-E-R-S-O-N, clinic.com. Um, you can reach me at director at gersonclinic.com um, or you can also give us a call at the contact information on our website uh, 715-299-5070 and again that goes directly to me I handle all the intake that comes in via email phone text whatever I'm on that front end uh, because you know the therapy needs to be communicated properly and because I've been doing it for 25 years there's really nobody else who can communicate it like I can so I've chosen to, to take on that role of doing all the intake from the beginning. Okay. We'll make sure we include that in the show notes. Thanks again, Dr. Vickers. It was great speaking with you. Thank you very much, Mike. And that'll do it for this edition of the Matraman podcast. Subscribe and check out our other videos, and we will see you next time. Until then, my name is Mike C. Stay healthy. This has been the Natural Man Podcast. 
Subscribe to our podcast for more episodes. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Come on a journey like no other where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.